you, Jesus. He is filling this place with his presence. I was talking with one of our members here just recently, and he just said, what makes the difference for me is when I come to the church and I know his presence is here. I feel his presence. Folks, we can fill this place with music. We can fill it with preaching and speaking. We can fill it with voices, but we need it filled with him today. That's what we need. We need him to fill this place today. Thank you, Lord. We're so happy that you're here. We're so happy that you've joined us online around New York City, around the country, and around the world. And if you're here today, we have a way before you sit down, get those elbows out, just thank the person next to you, say, I'm so glad you're here. This is my social distancing protocol greeting is what this is. And then you may be seated. I want to read to you six sentences, and I want you to think through, this is a test today, and I want you to think through what I'm trying to emphasize here, okay? Let me read to you. I wrote these six sentences, and I want you to tell me what I'm emphasizing. Here it is. I love coming to Times Square Church on Sunday. The worship is so powerful. I get up on Sunday morning with an expectation and get here early because the worship is so powerful. When Freddie leads us, I lift my hands because worship is so powerful. I go back and listen to the TSC service on YouTube because the worship is so powerful. It's a great way to start the day because TSC is powerful worship, and there are times we should just sing the whole service like today because the worship is so powerful, okay? Not a trick question. What am I trying to emphasize? Worship is so powerful. It sounded kind of like a broken record. I was, I was tempted to say it five times as much as that, and you'll understand why, to prove a point. As a parent, who has ever said these words before? I don't know how many times I've got to tell you. How many have ever said that as a parent? And what, what, what does that mean? It means it's the frustration of repetition because there's been no application to what you've told them. Keep this in mind. Repetition can be out of frustration or repetition can be out of remembrance. That you're trying to remember something and that's why you would say it over and over again. How about this one, church? How about saying the same thing 26 times in 26 sentences? 26 times in 26 sentences. You were bored after six sentences of hearing the same thing. How about 26 times? And here's the part I want you to understand is this. If the repetition is in the Bible, then it's not frustration. Is God driving home a point. It's God saying, I'm going to keep telling you over and over and over again. And in one concentrated portion of Scripture, God would say it 26 times, 26 sentences, non-stop. Not because he was frustrated, it was because that we would never forget these words 26 times. You ready? For his mercy endures. Hallelujah. Forever. His mercy, come on, say it with me. For his mercy endures forever. And if you're a King James person, you can say endureth. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your mercy does endure forever. And I pray over these next few moments, may the Holy Spirit just guide us, and would you make these words come alive to us? Your mercy endures forever, oh God. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Now, I want you to stay with me for a second. Freddie is gonna be playing with us for just a moment because you're gonna have an opportunity to do something with me today. Psalm 136 is the Bible chapter with 26 verses with the same phrase 26 times in every verse. God just wouldn't let it go. As I was trying to tell you, worship is powerful, worship is powerful. In six times, you got it. God goes, I'm gonna give it to you 26 times. That I'm gonna give you a sentence and you're gonna begin to realize how important this is. 26 times is God trying to get the... 
point across, God's mercy endures forever. I grew up in a church not far, uh, not far from here, and I grew up at a time where in, behind, in front of you was a little book that some of you have no idea what it's called. It's called a hymnal. How many remember that word, okay? A hymnal. And I grew up with it. I love hymns. And there are times I just sit, I sit in a chair and I'll sing them sometimes because you'd always sing four verses. You'd always sing and it was incredible theology. So many times you'd start with the darkness of sin and end with the rapture every time that you would sing. It was John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, whose brother Charles Wesley has written over 4,000 hymns. And I was reading the story just recently when Charles was going through a serious difficulty with his lungs called pleurisy, which is pains in the chest every single time you breathe. Folks, listen to this. It meant every time he'd breathe, the pain would be unbearable. It wasn't just at certain moments. It's when you take a breath and when you begin to inhale, the pain was so unbearable. It was so unbearable that Charles said that the physical pain was affecting his spiritual life. That he just didn't know if even God loved him or even if God existed because God wasn't answering his prayer. He said then one day he opened up the Bible and God spoke to him. God became real to him. And as a result, he kept writing and writing and words just kept flowing out of him. And out of that, he wrote the amazing hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. My great Redeemer's praise. It came from a dark place. And, and, and I wonder if Charles was thinking that if the pain was caused by every breath, I wonder if he was just thinking, God, every breath I have, if you give me a breath and you give me a thousand tongues, every one of those tongues is going to sing, how great you are, oh God. How many have ever heard that hymn before? Come on. I, 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 can we... Can we, I mean, when I think about it, oh, four thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumph of His praise. Can we just turn the screen into a hymnal today? Come on, sing this with me. Let's, let's, let's go back to the beginning. There you go. I want it on the screen. Come on, church. You're going to sing it like a congregation today. Oh, four thousand. Sing it with me. Oh, four thousand. Oh, four thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. sounds so good. We're going to kick it up, and we're going to sing one of my favorite verses. It goes like this. This is the second verse. It goes, Jesus, the name that I love this, that bids our sorrow cease, this music in the sea. Okay, we're going to go up, and here's my very favorite verse. He breaks the power. Come on, sing it now. What's amazing about that? Charles Wesley pulled a Psalm 136 because he couldn't stop writing. History says that he wrote 70 verses. We only sang three. 70. I found 19 of them, and I was tempted to make you sing all 19 of those verses today. Charles was writing his own Psalm 136 for the church. And history tells us that this was a psalm that was not only sung in the temple, but it was a psalm that was sung in battle. It was the psalm that was sung when the temple was erected in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. But it was also the psalm that was sung when Jehoshaphat went to war and in the wilderness of Tekoa began to announce, for his mercy endures forever. This Psalm 136 is a declaration it makes a sentence, a declaration of God, and then that phrase reoccurs over and over and over again. And we can't go any further without reading this. In fact, I'm going to ask you, church, you sang like a mighty choir today, that incredible hymn. Can, can we 
I'm going to read the sentences. We're going to go through all 26 verses today because I think the word of God is powerful. So as we sing this, how about you beginning to announce as one voice and with authority for his mercy endures? Can we do that today? Let's be a mighty voice today. Here's what David says in Psalm 136. He says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him alone does great wonders. To him by wisdom made the heavens. And to him who laid out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule by day. The moon and the stars to rule by night. Okay, before I go to verse 10, are you getting tired yet? Okay, let's keep going. We're going to go to Egypt and deliverance now. To him who struck the Egypt in their firstborn. And brought Israel out from among them. And with a strong hand and with an outstretched arm. He divided the Red Sea, hallelujah, in two. He made Israel to pass in the midst of the Red Sea. Overthrew the largest army in the world in the Red Sea. He led his people through the wilderness. He struck down great kings. He wasn't intimidated by even famous kings. Sion, king of the Amorites. Ah, king of Bashan, and gave their land Israel as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his servant. Are you, are you tired yet? Okay, now it's about you now. Who remembered us in our lowly state? Hallelujah. Rescued us from our enemies. Gave us food to all flesh. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven. Hallelujah. 26 times. I don't know about you. I wasn't getting tired because his mercy endures forever. Verses 1 through 9, he talks about creation. Verses 10 through 22, the Egyptian deliverance. Verses 23 to 26, it's about us. It's God saying to us today, I create. I deliver and I care about everyone in this place. My mercy, God is saying, is for creation. My mercy is for deliverance and for the individuals. What he was saying was, it's mercy for the impossible. What does that mean, Pastor Tim? When nothing exists, God can speak into the darkness today. It's mercy for freedom. When a bondage has held you and I too long and it's time to be free, his mercy endures forever. It's mercy even for every day. He says, from depression, my lowly state, and even when my cupboards are bare because maybe I lost my job in during the pandemic, but his mercy endures forever. 26 times. That's the power of repetition. It's good, and sometimes even repetition could be bad because we live in a society that just because you keep saying and repeating the same thing over and over again, listen to me, it doesn't make it true. It's when God says it that it's true. See, our society, things that were offensive when I was growing up and things that were banned even from primetime television is common language and common lifestyle now. It's been said and viewed over and over by repetition that it's lost its even its shock value and people just accept it for what it is. See, good repetition like Psalm 136 will drive home truth. Bad repetition tries to turn lies into truth. Let me say that again. Good repetition, Psalm 136, will drive home the truth. His mercy endures forever. Bad repetition, like what we've experienced in our society, is to try to turn lies into truth. Every day when my four children were leaving um, to go to school, Cindy is with our oldest right now over at Liberty University, um, as he's swimming regionals, and so she's with him as he's swimming four events and as they're getting ready for nationals. 
um, I was thinking about this to, of constant repetition. And every single morning before those four children would leave for school, they knew they couldn't walk out that door and get into that car unless I prayed over them before they walked out. And I would pray the same three things every single morning. Let me tell you what I pray over my four kids. They would hear it every single morning, and I would make them say the last part all together. This is what I would pray for them, for Anna, Christian, Grace, and Lauren. I'd pray this every single morning. God, make them great students like the three Hebrew children that were 10 times better in the languages and the sciences. And then I would say, and God make them great Christians like Joseph and Esther, who stood for righteousness in difficult times. And then I would always pray this, give them God-honoring friendships when they go to school, Lord God. And then I would say it, and I'm watching them just even uh, on the front row, and I would make them say out loud, 1 Corinthians 15, bad company corrupts good character, saying it with a little disdain on their face right now. And then when I felt it, I'd make them say Proverbs 12, 26, which says the righteous choose their friends carefully, and then I would let them go to school every single time. They heard that every single morning. And if you want to know what their faces look like, they were going, the righteous choose their friends carefully. <laughs> because if you hear something enough, it can turn a lie to a truth or it can drive home the truth. See, and I think God decided to put his mercy endures forever, not simply in all throughout 66 books, which it's there. It's all throughout there. But God decided to get this one section and literally just drive it home. God decided to say the same thing a lot, but I wanna, I wanna tell you why this is important. I wanna say something that's gonna bother many of you here, and I'm gonna, but, but you have to let me finish today before you write another email to me. So here's what it says. Let me just say, tell you this. God is not fair. God is not fair. And I know this bothers you, because fair means I want what I deserve. Mm. Thank God he's not fair. Thank God he's merciful. That's why. I don't need a fair God. I need a merciful God. So when someone launches a thing, that's not fair. Why would God do that? I'm going, you don't want fair. You want mercy. Because if fair shows up, you get what you deserve. I don't want fair. I want, a, I want a merciful God that is able to do what I don't deserve at that moment. So I want us for these next few moments to unpack these, this phrase. Every time I see mercy in the scriptures, it is connected to God withholding judgment, but also God extending opportunity. Let me say that again. Because these are two important words. It's withholding and extending. Every time I've seen the word mercy in the scriptures, it's connected to God withholding dangerous danger or judgment. And it's also God extending a window of opportunity. It's God gives a window, and it's God giving a shelter. It's God giving a window for people to get right with him. But it's also a shelter to protect them from impending danger and judgment. That's the mercy of God. See, God's mercy is about his protection, jot this down, and his patience. His mercy, that's protection, endures forever. That's his patience. Let me say this again. This is God wanting us to show, God wanting to show us how important this is, that his mercy endures forever. It's his withholding, and it's, and it's also God's opportunity, God, God extending opportunity. It's shelter and shield, but it's also a window. It's his mercy, protection. It is also endures forever, which is his patience. And I want to just build on that for the next few moments because I'm going, God, if you to say this 26 times and for me to skip over it, that would be just, it would be wrong to do that. 26 times you would say the same thing. So let's talk about that. Just two, two, two items I want to talk about. Number one, his mercy, the protection of God. His mercy, the protection of God. Why mercy, Times Square Church, those that are watching online, why mercy and not another attribute of God? Because you could almost put anything in here, couldn't you? you, could, you could, I could think of a bunch of other phrases. God, God is love forever, or God is good forever. But why his mercy endures forever. It is the reminder of his protection and his patience. 
It is God reminding us that mercy is reminding me. Really, mercy helps me when I start complaining that I really don't realize all that God has protected us from. When I start complaining, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And it's God going, you have no idea what I just held back from you. It's so many times that I think I need mercy as a fight against my complaining. It's God beginning to remind me of what he has done for me and what he has done for all of us, that he became a shield about us when the enemy wants to come in. Us sitting here today in this sanctuary, listen to me, is the mercy of God. Us sitting here, able to lift our hands, breathing today, that's the mercy of God. It's God protecting even when we don't know he's protecting us. I was, I haven't even told her yet. I, I got, a, one of my daughters gets on a train, and she did it this morning. We'll be at the one o'clock service, and, and is playing for, the, for New York City for, for their teams in volleyball. And so I just found out on Wednesday morning, that Tuesday, when she came back to her train station on Tuesday night, that there was an axe-wielding man at one of the subway stations here in Manhattan. Just around the time that she comes back. I haven't told her yet, so don't say anything. So here's all I thought about was this. This is a man around the same time that Grace shows up. And when I realized that she could have showed up at that time, you know what I'm just going? That's the mercy of God. That's the mercy of God. That's God's protection. That's God withholding. You know, there's a story in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 21 about the grumbling of the children of Israel. And when you read it, I cringe on what they said. Let me read to you Numbers 21.5. It says this, that the people spoke against God and Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt? For there is no food and no water, which is not true. And we loathe this miserable, miracle manna food. We loathe it. I cringe. When I read those words, and then the Bible says this, then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. I'm not complaining. Let me just tell you something right now. Because this is what's interesting. Mercy, when we recognize the mercy of God, it is a, it's a help so we don't complain. When they complained on the miserable food that came from heaven, they never had to go to Costco. They never had to go to Sam's. They never went to any. It was there every morning. And God provided. And you call it this loathsome, this miserable food. And then the Bible says the Lord sent fiery serpents. I want to give you my opinion of what that is because I think that relates to the mercy of God. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? These snakes, okay, my opinion now, these weren't demon snakes that God created in hell. You know what this was? These were, these fiery serpents, these were natural to the environment that was there. That these weren't devil snakes, but they were desert snakes. That God didn't make them, they were already present, they just didn't experience it. And then what I believe was, is that God lifted up his mercy shield just a tiny bit for snakes to get underneath and say, do you want me to lift up this shield a little bit more? At that point, I'd be going like, I love manna. Manna is fantastic. Put the shield down. What God did was he said, let me pick it up a little bit to show you what can slither underneath. Put the shield down, and you know what? And the complaints stop because his mercy endures forever. Think about this. When Jerusalem was invaded, one of the darkest points of Israel's history, by Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar comes in three times, ravages the city, destroys the wall that they built up, destroys the temple, steals every item out of the temple, brings it back to Babylon. And every time the children of Israel woke up in the morning for 70 straight years, there was a city in ruin that they looked out their window and going, we've been devastated. The shield came up a little bit because of our disobedience. But in the midst of even that shield, God didn't bring it up all the way 
Because every single morning, even though they saw what seemed to be devastating, they didn't just see runes in the morning. They saw something else. In the darkest book of the Old Testament, it's called a funeral dirge. It's the book of Lamentations. They would look out the window and see the ruins, but they'd also look out and see something else every single morning. And this is what the, Jeremiah says. It is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. That I'm telling you folks, I may wake up and look out and go and look at this city after a pandemic. I'm just telling you that God, every single morning, I can also look out and say, your mercies are also new every single morning. That God's mercies, even in the midst of the worst situation, his mercies are new every single morning. Every morning. It's God's protection. It's God saying, I'm, I'm holding on to you. I, 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 don't, I don't see a story that can, that can give this any clearer than I was reading something from an 11-year-old boy. In fact, it was a president's son. It was Abraham Lincoln's son, Tad. The Civil War has just ended a dark time in American history. Lee has surrendered, and the end of the Civil War is, is, is upon them. And Lincoln spoke to a large crowd from the balcony of the White House. He told them about the policy he had in mind for the southern part of the United States. And at the end of his speech, before he can even give what his policy was, Senator Harlan began to scream out from the balcony, what shall we do with the rebels of the South? And the crowd kept shouting back, hang them, hang them. And then 11-year-old boy, Tad Lincoln, turned to his father and said, no, Dad. Not hang them, let's hang on to them. That's what mercy is. Mercy doesn't say hang them, mercy says hang on to them. When all of a sudden we wanna let someone go, the mercy of God says hang on to them. When Israel is disobedient and everybody says look how disobedient, mercy says hang on to them. When all of a sudden you think to yourself, how in the world can my son or daughter continue on? When you want to hang them, God hangs on to them. That's the mercy of God. He's always hanging on to us. That's what blows us away. Mercy is a powerful word. I've seen the protection of God in our lives, on our family, my marriage, this church. Thank God for his mercy that is always protecting us. When I left Detroit after 30 years, I realized the mercy of God, how God hung on to me, hung on to my family. I don't tell the story too much because sometimes I, I and, until I realize today, his mercy endures forever, his mercy endures forever, his mercy endures forever. I sat with a young man that gave me a gift that was given to him from special forces on one of our, from one of the teams that he served on without mentioning the branch or giving away his, his, any of his story. I'll just tell you what he told me, but I got his permission to tell the story when he first told me. He said, Pastor Tim, there came a time, he, because of all that he came out of, drug abuse and everything else, there came a time that you sat me down from ministry because of some issues that I was going through. He said, something kicked in that I became so angry with you. He said, and this anger consumed me. And I didn't even know that there was a shield around me and my family. And this is when I knew God's mercy was there. He said, I was so filled with anger that the enemy came in. And that anger turned into a murderous spirit. He said, I went home that night. And he said, I got together some weapons that I've had. And he said, I was on my way to your home to kill you and your family. I'm sitting on the other side of the desk, listening to this, saying, like, you're delivered. Like, right now, I just said, everything's good between us, right? And he goes, he goes that's why I'm telling you the story. Mm. Like, my hand was kind of on the phone. I hit 9-1. And he goes, no, I'm, I'm, I, I, I love you. Okay, then I just let it go at that point. And this is what he said, his words. He said, I, I loaded up my car, put on some army camo he said I was on my I was getting ready put the key in the car and he said I heard the audible voice of God and the voice of God said if you move this car I'll kill you I go he said that 
I said, what else did he say? He said, I knew at that moment there was a shield around your family at that moment that God put up. Folks, can I tell you what that is? That's the mercy of God. His mercy endures forever. It's not a Detroit shield. It's a New York shield. It's a forever shield. It's God's protection over all of our lives. And if you're watching online, he's going to protect you. He can protect you from COVID. Even if you have a pre-existing condition, God can protect you today. God can do that. Number two, and let's close with this, it's mercy endures forever. That, to me, is the patience of God. The shield is his mercy. The window is his patience, endures forever. His mercy endures forever. And it's a big, can I just tell you, it's a big window that God opens up to, to all of humanity. In fact, Ephesians 2.4 says God is rich in mercy. That's how big the window is. In fact, let me show you how that window that God opens up that when he should be showing even, even judgment, he goes, I want to give them an opportunity. Listen to it out of the message in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 3. It says, it's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with all of us. Instead, rich in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. And he did all this on his own with no help from us. That's the mercy of God. Where God goes, I not only can I protect you, but I can give you an opportunity today. I can open up a window. My dad was the son of an Italian immigrant. And I grew up at a time that my parents didn't know the phrase time out. We never had time outs when we were a kid. We knew that there was a spoon and we knew there was a belt. I'm just telling you, you can think whatever you want. There was no, let me just give you a timeout because I don't want to bruise your psyche. There, that never even crossed their mind. The spoon that, that stirred the Italian sauce was also the spoon that corrected the entire family in our home. Everybody that's clapping has been an experience that that the shield has gone up just enough for the spoon to come underneath and the belt to come underneath. How many know what I'm talking about here today? Oh, this is a very disciplined church. Let me just tell you that. My dad had a phrase when, when his mercy was running out, and this was his phrase. He'd look at us. We'd be at the table and be fooling around or doing something, and he would say this, this Italian Brooklyn New York City policeman, he would just look, he goes, the bag is getting full. That's what he would say. I remember one time, I just go like, where is it at in the bag? Is it like here? It didn't go well. I'm just telling you, the mercy shield went up at that moment, and it was all over at that. The bag got full very fast on that statement. But that was it. It was just, he kept saying, the bag's getting full, the bag's getting full. The bag. If you say another thing, the bag's getting full. If you don't eat your food... The bag's getting full. And I would hear that all the time. And what he was saying was this. If you continue on on this, on this path, he says, there's, there's a spoon and a belt waiting underneath, underneath this shield. There's a, there is, what, is what's happening. And, and in a sense, when I think of the mercy of God, mercy gives people time to get right with him. That's what mercy does. See, mercy withholds judgment with hope that you would accept God's grace. That's what mercy is. That if you're sitting here today or you're watching online or maybe someone sent you a link to this message today of what this means. See, mercy is God pleading with humanity to turn to him because it's the patience of God. That's, what, that's why he was saying he was rich in mercy. It's the patience of God. L listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 2.4, because he speaks about this moment, when he, about this when he says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you, Paul says? Can't you see, look at this, that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. What he was saying was, it's the kindness of God 
It's the mercy of God that's trying to bring us to a place to get right. But here, let, let me say this. Some that are sitting here today, some people have misinterpreted his kindness for his approval. Let me say that again. Some have misinterpreted that God's kindness is his approval to keep doing what you're doing instead of a window to come back to God today. And be caught, let, let, let me explain it to you like this. I was reading the story of an atheist, an, an antagonistic atheist professor at a university that would come in and do this for any religious student that would speak to the whole, to the whole lecture hall. And the atheist professor would say, if there is a God, this is the way he would start off the semester, if there is a God, may he prove himself right now by striking me dead. That's what he said. And would stand there for five minutes. And everybody's just looking. And then he would begin to announce to the class, you see, there is no God until one wise Christian stood up and said, you haven't proved there is no God. You've just proved that he's merciful. That's what you proved today. That what God was doing was he was withholding judgment and showing patience and restraint. What that college professor was doing was he was misinterpreting the kindness of God for the approval of God. That if you're sitting here today and thinking, hey, I'm good, nothing's going wrong, business is good, I'm selling this, I'm trading well, all this is happening, could be my best year in the midst of all this, that you have misinterpreted the kindness of God, the mercy of God. That window is an opportunity to get right with God, which I wanna speak to you today, because I want you to understand, there is a difference, and this is important, between mercy and grace. I want you to get this down. There is a difference between mercy and grace. Let me tell you what it is. Grace is what God gives. Grace is what God gives that we don't deserve. Mercy is what God doesn't give what we do deserve. Let, let me say those again because I want you to get this. Grace is what God gives to us and we don't deserve it. Mercy is what God doesn't give what we do deserve. Let, can, I, can I give it to you another way? Let me, let me make it simpler. Here it is. Grace, I get what I don't deserve. Mercy, I don't get what I do deserve. That's what grace and mercy is. Grace, I get something I don't deserve. And mercy, I don't get what I should be getting. That's why we said God's not fair. God doesn't give us what we do deserve. Or let me, let me say it to you like this. I love the way he's spoken here before. Great author Max Lucado says it like this. He said, mercy gave the prodigal son a second chance. Grace gave him a feast. Mercy gives a second chance today. Grace is what gives the feast. I mean, I want to ask this question. How many of you have ever been pulled over by a policeman for speeding? Would you raise your hand? Okay, just wanna make sure every, everybody. How many, for, and you knew you were guilty. Okay, by the mercy of God, you got out of that ticket. Would you raise your hand? Okay, same hands. Okay, let's listen. I'm gonna ask you a question. Let's suppose I'm speeding on the Jersey Turnpike Policeman pulls me over, I'm guilty. Okay, follow with me now. If he doesn't give me a ticket, what is that? That's mercy. I deserve a ticket. If he doesn't give me a ticket, that's what? Mercy. But here's the other part. If he gives me a ticket and then gives me a $100 bill, to pay that ticket, that's grace. Mercy says, I got out of a ticket. 
Grace says, you're guilty, and I'm going to give you what you need to take care of the debt that you couldn't pay for on your own. Folks, are some of you tracking with me today? Because follow with me now. This is important. Mercy is God withholding from me what I'm guilty of. Grace is giving to me what I don't deserve, the feast of the prodigal. Forgiveness, listen now, let me explain it like this. God says to humanity, we're guilty. But when Pastor Patrick stood up here today and we celebrated communion, this is God saying to humanity, you're guilty, but here's your hundred bucks called Jesus coming, dying on the cross for us and saying, not only are you guilty, I'm going to give you the way that you can get out of this thing, and it's the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what God does. Listen to me. I'll say it like this. Mercy keeps you alive on earth so you can experience grace that gets you to heaven. Oh, my goodness. Keep that on the screen. Let me say it to you one more time. You're sitting here because of the mercy of God. Mercy keeps you alive, but keeps you alive for one reason, so you can experience the feast, the grace, forgiveness, and heaven, and eternity, and the presence of God. Mercy keeps you alive on earth so you can experience grace that gets you to heaven. If you're alive today, if you're watching today and you're breathing, you've experienced the mercy of God. But if you want to live forever, if you want to go to heaven, if you want forgiveness of your sins, if you want God to change you, you have to experience grace. Mercy puts you in the seat. Grace gets you to heaven. Mercy allows you to walk through this door Grace will get you through heaven's doors. Mercy has given you 75 years, 80 years, 90 years to live. Grace gives you eternity with God in heaven. And that can happen right now. Pastor Tim, I, I, then I've misinterpreted the mercy of God. I've misinterpreted the kindness of God. I thought by me just being in church, me sitting here, that, that's, that's good. That's misinterpretation. You have to experience the grace of God. The grace of God. God has spoken to all of us, starting with me, and just said, you are guilty. Here's the $100 to pay. What's the $100? I'm going to send my son, die on the cross in your place, so you can have that ticket called sin paid for. That's what he did. So you're sitting here today. You're watching online, and I'm here to tell you today, Today's, today is the day for grace. You get mercy every day. Every day. But today it's time for grace. Those that are sitting here, those that are watching, Pastor Tim, how does that happen? Jesus says this is how you experience grace. He says when you're born, you get mercy. When you're born again, you get grace. Not my words, Jesus' words. Pastor Tim, can you explain that? Jesus says in John 3, 3, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are, Jesus' words, born again. Those are Jesus' words. It's not a Times Square church phrase. It's not a Protestant or a Catholic phrase. It is not a religious phrase. It is a Jesus phrase. And just as the Jesus who can't lie is not lying about this, if I was to ask you today, how do you get to heaven? And some of you would be saying, well, I, 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 I'm a good person. That's good, but that's not what Jesus said. Well, I go to church. That's not what John 3, 3 says. Well, I go to the synagogue, or I go to the mosque, or I go to the cathedral. I go, I'm, I, I go to, to, to this Catholic church. Those are all great things. You could even say you were baptized. You took communion. You had a first communion. You could say, I was christened. Those are wonderful. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you must be born again. That's what he said. He said, all of that other stuff, mercy. But today, you need grace. Explain it, Pastor Tim. What Jesus was saying was this. Just as you had a first birth physically and have a birthday, birth date, and by the way, just a shout out, Pastor Carter and Teresa Conlon just had grandchild number nine two days ago. Number nine. I got choked up when he said, he said that Jared and Julie named him Carter Conlon. 
I was so choked up. He goes, I was choked up too. And one day you're gonna, you're gonna meet Carter Conlon Jr. He has a birthday. He has a birthday. But the one that, that, that gets him mercy. Grace is the second birth date, the born again date, the spiritual birth date. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? How do I get that today? How do I get that if I'm watching from, from London or from Manila, from watching today from Colombia, if I'm watching today from the Dominican? How do I get that? How do I get that, Pastor Tim? Here's, what, here's the best way I can explain it. Let me make it as simple as I can. It's as simple as A, B, C. A. It's admitting that I'm a sinner. That every one of us have a condition called sin. That the mercy of God keeps every sinner, in a sense, alive so they can experience grace. But it is a condition that can't be fixed by a priest, a pastor. I can't fix it. There's not a program. You can go to to Betty Ford. You can go to Teen Challenge. All those are amazing programs. Some of them are are Christian, Christ-centered. Some of them will will use substance to deal with whatever that program. That can't fix the sin condition. It may fix an addiction. It may fix a pain. But it won't fix the internal issue that we are broken inside. We are sinners. Or as one pastor said, we're not sinners in need of correction. We are sinners in need of a Savior. We don't need a second chance. We need a second birth today. That's what he's asking for. How does that happen, Pastor? That's the B word, believe. Believe that God sent his son to die for you and for me. If we could fix ourselves, then God putting his son through what he did would be the worst case of child abuse in human history. Yeah, it's, it's God going, yeah, go down there, die on the cross, go through the beating, go through the suffering and the pain for 33 years. But once you come up back up to heaven, I'm going to tell all those people on 51st and Broadway and those watching online, you gotta, you got to work hard to get to heaven. That's ridiculous. It doesn't even make sense. Why would God have to send his son to die for me? I'll tell you why. You ready for this? Because you couldn't pay the $100 ticket. He lived the life you couldn't live, died the death you were supposed to die, and gives us a reward we don't deserve, which is called grace. His mercy has kept us alive, and his grace wants to give you a feast today so you can be born again. Then how does that happen, Pastor Tim? That's C, confessing him as Lord. What do you mean by that? Didn't say that C doesn't stand for church. C doesn't stand for anything. C doesn't stand for choir. It stands for confess him as Lord. Romans 10, 9, and 10. What what does that mean, Pastor Tim? You're the boss now. Look at me. He's not saying you become born again and God's in charge for an hour and a half on Sunday. That's not Christianity. That's religion. God didn't come and die on that cross, raised from the dead, and extending to you grace today because he wants to be in charge for an hour and a half on Sundays. That's not what he said. He wants, religion wants one day a week, Relationship wants every single day of the week. That's what he wants. Pastor Tim, how does that happen? Balcony, main floor, I want everyone to bow your head as we close today. Everybody to bow your head with me, please. It's the most important question I can ask you today. Have you been born again? And today, you're going to have that opportunity. Today, everyone in this place, 100% of you has experienced the mercy of God. But not every one of you experienced the grace of God. And today, you can experience grace. Mercy gives you a second chance. Grace gives you the feast. And today, this could happen. If you're watching online, this is for you. Wherever you're at. And whatever day of the week you're listening to this. In the balcony, main floor, someone invited you today. It's the most important question. His mercy does endure forever. But I just don't want you to experience mercy. I want you to experience the grace of God. That grace that Pastor Patrick talked about adopts you today as a child of God. We're not talking about membership. We're talking about adoption today. And today you could be born again. Today could be your second birthday. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? I'm going to simply pray a born-again prayer. It's not a magical prayer. It's just going to incorporate some of these elements but if you of the ABCs. But if you're sitting here today, if you're watching online and say, Pastor Tim, I want to start a journey with God today. I want to be born again. When you pray that prayer, Pastor Tim, listen to me now. When you pray that prayer, would you include me, those with your heads bowed and eyes closed, those watching online, 
If you're saying, I want to be included, I've known mercy, but I want grace today. I want that, Pastor Tim. How do I do that? If you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, when you pray that prayer, I want to be included. I'm not going to make you stand. And for protocol reasons, I'm not even going to make you walk forward. But I will ask you to do this without any hesitation. If you're sitting here today and say, put me in that prayer, Pastor Tim. I want to be part. If that's you, balcony, main floor, watching online, if you say, when you pray that born-again prayer, put me in that prayer. I want to start a journey with God today. Wherever you're at in this place, I'm going to be the only one looking. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, put me in that prayer right now without any hesitation. Hold your hand up. Say, put me in that prayer. Hold it up as high as you can because I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Keep them up. Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six. Balcony, let me make sure I see you. Thirty-seven, keep them up. Thirty-eight, thirty-nine, forty, forty-one, forty-two, forty-three, forty-four, forty-five. That's a blessing. Forty-six. You can put forty-seven. You can put your hands down today. Hallelujah. Hey, can, and there may be hands I've missed, and if you're watching online, let's all pray this prayer together with these 47 people that are about to experience. Come on, let's pray this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you die for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Come on, say it with me now loud. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. Here it comes. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. Come on, put your hands together one more time for that. Hallelujah. Hey, whether you're watching online or right here, you just experienced the grace of God today. 100% mercy. And now 47 people and those watching online, You've just experienced his grace. Hey, if you made that decision, we want to help you on your next steps. It's just a real simple thing. You know how to text people? I need you to text something for me. Text the word CONNECT to 51,000. You'll see it on the screen. We're going to send you a next step. This doesn't get you born again. It just helps you on that brand new journey of following God. Text CONNECT. We're going to send you some, some really short videos that helped you on this brand new journey. Connect groups and everything else. That's all going to be there. I'm so excited about that. Freddie is going to come lead us one more time. And at the end, if you need any personal prayer, we've done this. We try to do our best with protocol. Um, COVID protocol, we have our prayer teams that are going to be down here. They're going to be spaced, masks, and then we'll have you come down to be prayed for personally. And if you're watching online, we're going to have a chance to pray with you. So whether they're praying with you in person or we have, we have prayer hosts that will type a prayer. If you say, hey, pray for this, they're going to type a prayer right back for you and they're going to pray specifically for you. Let's stand one more time. Hey, can we worship the Lord? Let's just begin to thank Him for His grace today. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.